Amen. So thankful for today. I was telling first service. Um, I get emotional. It's always hard for me to talk about the birth of the church without getting emotional. Um, I was standing in the conference at Redemption of the Nations um, Friday, and I was speaking to a group of pastors, and it was all I could do to speak without crying because I looked at their faces, and I I knew where they were at. I'd been there. Um, And I, I say that about launching the church because this family right here means a lot to me. And because uh, whenever we decided we were launching a church, they were there with us. They were in our living room when there were probably, I don't, I don't even know if there were 20 people in that living room um, before we even had a name, before Legacy Church even had a dollar. Um, when we got this place, I know they were here before anything was moved in and helping us clean and move in chairs and get things ready. And I'm just so thankful for you and what you've done and uh, with me uh, in my personal life and as the, as the church. And I'm so thankful that you're willing to tell your story. And um, as I told first service, um, I know this isn't easy. It's never easy to get up and talk in front of people if you don't feel like you've got that gifting. And uh, Cassie being a six and introverted as uh, she will testify to that herself. Uh, I'm an introvert by nature. Most people don't believe it when I'm on stage, uh, when I'm preaching, but I am by nature. And isn't it amazing that God can use uh, even the people that feel like they shouldn't be on a stage to share the gospel and his story? And um, I just want you all to start today by introducing yourself, where you're from, um, your occupation and what you do. So tell us who you are for those of uh, people who are here or watching today that may not know you. childhood home and that's where we live. Um, I'm a photographer. I actually started out by taking pictures here at Legacy. Um, you mentioned in first service that I told you I had nothing to bring to the church, but I ended up bringing that. Um, and now Kirsty does a great job filling in so that I can enjoy snuggling my baby. And I'm Ben. Um, I am from a little town in South Georgia, Alamo, Georgia. Believe it or not, there is an Alamo, Georgia. There's not just an Alamo, Texas. So um, small town down there. Uh, I work for Coca-Cola. Um, been with them for about 15 years now, uh, which is uh, kind of plays a pivotal role in our relationship because in a small way, that's how we met. Um, so I had worked my first eight years with the company down in Atlanta and then uh, moved up into the territory that Rome covers. And probably two to three months after I did that, uh, we ended up being kind of introduced in a way. Um, she was hard, man. It was like a, a month before I could even meet her. So two months. Yeah, see, see. So, you know, uh, I think the first communication we had, I had to get her Snapchat. So it started through Snapchat. Um, but, yeah, uh, eventually we, we met up and, and the rest is history. Met in July, engaged in October. October, married in December. So, you know, yeah, hey, there it is. He's not saying that's the plan for you. Uh, so that's, that, that was the plan for them, okay? 
I know some parents out there are like, please don't say that. Please do not say that. Uh, my story was very similar. Sarah and I started dating uh, December. We were engaged in January. We dated for a month and got married that year. So, you know, when you know, you know. When it's his time, it's his time. Um, Cassie, I've known you since 2014, and I've known you, uh, Ben, since you all started dating, and we watched as you dated and got engaged and married and all those of things in your life. Um, but for those of you, probably most of everyone knows uh, the story. I feel like they do, but your journey through a miracle was about your child, uh, the journey through infertility and everything, the ups and the downs of that. Um, if you would kind of walk us through uh, that, um, you know, when you all started trying and, and through the losses and the mountains and the valleys kind of walk us through that process. I feel like this day and age is we've got a lot of instant gratification. We Amazon Prime, Walmart pickup. Um, our first pregnancy was kind of like that. It was a shock. It was a surprise. It came quick. We waited until that baby's due date. We lost it at nine weeks. We waited until that baby's due date um, to start trying again. And we thought the first time was easy, so this time should be no problem either. And almost three years later, um, we still had not gotten pregnant. So we decided to go to a specialist, and two weeks later, I found out that I was pregnant. Um, Mother's Day weekend, we told you guys on Friday, mm -hmm. told my parents Saturday morning, and took off and headed three and a half hours to tell Ben's family. Um, I mean, they had been waiting and praying as long as we had. I mean, they knew that we'd been trying. What we didn't know was that in telling them so early, that two weeks later that we would really, really need them um, when we were thrown the shock that the baby was stuck in my tube. Um, the fear in his eyes was enough to cripple me. Um, and it kind of answered my question on why we went to the specialist because that was when IVF was first mentioned. The doctor here in Rome said, you need to do IVF. And I was like, no, like I still have another tube, no. So we asked the specialist and he ran some tests, everything looked good and he said, we'll continue trying. Um, three more pregnancies and God revealed that it was IVF. Um, that was his plan for us. The fourth pregnancy, though, was the one that really I surrendered it all. I laid flat on my face right here and said, it doesn't matter if you have 12 more, I'll take them. You know, just give me your promise. And the very next pregnancy was when I lost the left tube. And then that was when God revealed that, you know, mm. I'll be it for you. Yeah. For me, um, the first the first pregnancy was was a, a surprise, um, and let me tell you something. When and that was one of the first. That's the first one we we heard the heartbeat. Yes. We uh, yeah, we actually got to hear the heartbeat of that one. Um, so I mean, you hear a heartbeat and and stuff snaps into focus for you as a dad. Um, so that wasn't always the case, but for that one, I, I specifically remember that. Um, and then the, the, the waiting periods and, and us not knowing why we had to wait so long. Um, and then the one in 2019 uh, was the one that 
it, it hurt really bad because we, we thought it was time. Um, the church was launching. Um, her business was booming. Uh, I had just taken a different position with Coke, and, and, was, and, and that was going great. And then all of a sudden, uh, it just came to a screeching halt. Um, very unexpected. It was a, a, a doctor's visit that ended, you know, we were supposed to have an ultrasound, and it ended with them telling us to go straight to the hospital. Um, my family's three, three and a half hours away. Um, having to break the news to them was absolutely horrible. Um, but uh, that was the one that ultimately, I think, started uh, building the strength w within us. So. So this process, I know you mentioned our, um, first service, but you had six miscarriages. She was our seventh pregnancy. Seventh, which is number of completion. Um, six losses throughout the process, and you're going through IVF. Um, I know we've all heard of it, but just kind of walk us through a day of what that looks like going through that pro process of IVF. We chose to do our shots at night. Um, it just worked better. I knew I was not going to do them myself. Um, that's where I leaned on Ben, let him take control of it. I was overthinking it. Um, surprise. Uh, but I let him, and he, I walked in the bedroom after a photo session, and he's sitting in the floor with his phone out, his iPad out, a notepad, and I'm like, thank God. I mean, it would just put me at ease that he was going to handle all the shots. Um, so we did those at night. And there was, we started with two, and then we had to add a third. And there would be, I mean, moments, and it's, again, instant gratification. IVF was a whole lot of hurry up and then wait, and hurry up and then wait, um, which I think is how a lot of us do. We want to hurry up and get to a point, but then God's like, hey, you need to wait. You need to stop, take a step back. Um, so we had to, we'd get phone calls, you need to be in Chattanooga tomorrow. So whatever we had on our agenda, you had to drop it and be there, which is sometimes how God works too. It don't matter what's on your calendar. He's going to tell you, clean that calendar. This is what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was Home Depot parking lot shots because some of them were at certain times and Ben had to work still. So I would meet him in parking lots. Um, we just hope the cops didn't <laughs> happen to pull up because they would have seen me sticking her with a needle and then who knows. And that could be confusing yeah. if you walk up on that. I mean, yeah. yeah. And then after all the shots, you go in for an egg retrieval. Um, and then that's where it's a whole another you hurry up and get there for the egg retrieval and then it's more waiting because you've got to wait to see if the eggs are matured and then do the eggs fertilize and then do they produce embryos uh -huh. and we were fortunate and ended up with nine embryos not every couple in this situation ends up with that many um, some are just hopeful for one we we had nine and then we transferred we had to wait because my body had overproduced and we had to wait a little bit Again, hurry up, wait. Um, we transferred in March, and the transfer was successful, and then my levels dropped. So this was miscarriage number six. Everyone thinks IVF's a guarantee, and it's, it's not. Mm. Um, and then it was more weighty, more tests, and then we transferred Isaiah and one of her siblings um, and ended up with one healthy baby. So this is a season of joy, season of grief. I mean, it's like an emotional roller coaster. You know, you, you, I mean, when you find out you're pregnant, 
Most of the time it's a positive thing. Sometimes it's a shocking thing if you're not expecting it. Amen. We've been there. Um, but, um, but then it was just like, it was quick turnaround. I mean, you're like, do I tell people this time? Do I not? Do I celebrate? Uh, highs of highs and lowest of lows yeah. for sure. So, and this was years. How, how from start to, like, what's, what's how many years from now? So, the first baby was 2015. So, June 2016 was when we started trying, and Isaiah was born May 2022. This is like a so six-year six year stint of, of waiting. Um, what advice, you know, we, there's people in this room that they're in waiting seasons. It may not be for a child. It may be a job. It may be a relationship, whatever, that wherever you may be today. But um, in a season, there's probably a lot of people that feels like they've been in a season of just slamming doors where it just feels like every option will not work. Uh, I know when we were in waiting season, waiting to plant the church, I mean, it was just like that. I mean, I, I had seen it. I had seen the vision. I knew I'd heard the voice. But in this season of waiting, it was like every door, every organization, everything was just slammed in my face. It was like joy and then just like heartbreak. Uh, so many times throughout the process, what would you say to people who may be in that season of waiting? Chase said, you're going to have door slammed after door slammed after door slammed. I mean, six miscarriages is enough. I mean, that's six doors slammed right in our face. But then you add in the other surgeries and um, the other things we had to go through. It was some really, really tough days. Um, And on those days, it really felt like the hall was closing in. And in, in the hallway, I would advise you, still praise him. I mean, praise him in the hallway, surrender it all to him. Um, because on those hard days, I mean, of course I had been, but you can't go just talk to anybody. Not everybody understands right. what you're going through, and they don't know what to say. I mean, even my mom didn't know what to say. and I mean, she's one of the people closest to me other than Ben in my life. And so God's what got me through praising him. Um, so just don't give up. Even in the hallway, it's closing in. Don't give up. Just keep pushing through and praising him until that door opens. Um, what I would say is kind of what was revealed to me through uh, the, the first loss um, in which she lost her two, uh, the, I guess the first one at the start of the, the most recent journey, um, is that God's got a plan. Um, and I'll, I'll never forget, uh, there's a spot in my front yard where um, I was had finally gotten out of the house um, after that surgery. Uh, Cassie's mom had came up to sit with her, and I was in the front yard, and I audibly heard, I have a plan. Um, so just remember that, that God has a plan. You've got your own plans, but let me tell you something. <laughs> in the end, it doesn't matter because um, his plan is perfect, um, and... and um, it doesn't matter how many doors get slammed shut. In, in an instant, he can kick them all open. It doesn't matter. Um, so just hold on to your faith, lean into him, and uh, just be patient for his timing. Um, as we've said, Cassie, you're a photographer, and I know I told first service, but and you kind of mentioned it, you know, whenever we launch, she's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I can make pictures. Um, and I, we were, 
probably the first church, I think one of the first churches in Rome that started posting pictures of our service. We didn't have, we didn't have the money to buy uh, video equipment. Uh, we didn't have the money to start live streaming. And so many people learned about Legacy Church through our pictures that, you know, you took. And, you know, that's your specialty. And one of your specialties is, um, you know, maternity pictures, um, new, newborn pictures. For some crazy reason, you think it's cool to be in the birthing room with, stra- with strangers. Um, I, don't, I don't know about that. But, um, uh, you know, these newborn pictures, and, you know, they need to do these follow-ups at one month, and, you know, all the way up through, you know, celebrating these milestones. Um, I can't imagine with you and your situ- situation that you're in not getting bitter. I mean, you know, whenever we see people get blessed, so many of us get bitter. You know, but here you are, this, it's been this six-year period, and you're making these pictures, and you're up late at night, and you're editing these pictures and looking at these babies' faces. How did you deal with that? How did you not let that bitterness or whatever you were going through emotionally uh, in that season rob you of it, of joy? There were many times I questioned, why does she get a baby? You know, um, why not me? When's our turn? Why can't I give my husband a baby? Because, I mean, it was my body that kept failing. Um, And just like Job, I mean, Job openly cried out to God and asked why as well. So, you know, just because you ask why doesn't mean that your faith is broken. Um, I had a maternity session I did on a Thursday after we found out we were pregnant that Mother's Day weekend. I did a session that Thursday. On Tuesday, I ran into that mom when we were at our doctor's visit and got the bad news that I was going to have to have surgery. Um, She was one, she didn't know what was going on. She knew I was pregnant, but she did not know what was going on. And then two days later, she messaged me and said, have you had a chance to edit my pictures yet? Mm -hmm. And all I, I mean, I really just wanted to scream at her and say, I really don't want to look at your pregnant belly. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were days that I couldn't cut on my computer. I I couldn't look at the babies just because of the, the grief that overwhelmed me. But I also know the God that I serve, and he's not a selfish God. And there's no way he would let me have the passion for the profession that I do and then not give me the desires of my heart to be a mama myself. And so really, it didn't make me, I mean, there were days I was bitter, but it really gave me that extra push to hold on to that faith that God's going to fulfill my dream. He's going to give me the desire of my heart. He's going to make me a mama. It's just not going to happen on my, on my watch. Yeah. Um, ben, I'm, I know you, and I know you said he's a three. I think he's a two. Um, Enneagram. <laughs> Stop. Okay. Um, you know, Ben is very helpful. He's very caring. And, you know, anytime we need something, somebody's out, you know, Ben is usually on top of our list of people to call. Uh, Very helpful. And I'm certain, Ben, as you were trying to be strong for Cassie, as you're trying to be, you know, the man of the house and uh, be, you know, tough and kind of hide your emotions from her, yet deal with your own grief and discouragement. I remember, I don't know if you all remember, um, when um, uh, Sheila Harper was here and she had uh, dealt with an abortion and she was talking about how she has started a ministry for men 
whose wives have aborted or, you know, were the father of an aborted child because as she had traveled the world speaking against abortion, she had seen so many men who were just heartbroken over the loss of a child. Um, So here you are dealing with your own emotions and trying to be strong. How did you find that balance of staying um, sane in that moment and staying strong for your spouse, yet dealing with your own grief and emotions during that process? I think I kind of dealt with the grief and and my emotions almost kind of within my own body, I guess is the best way to explain it. It, it was tough at times because even at the, the beginning of the IVF process, I mean, I'm sticking her with probably hundreds of needles, if not a thousand or thousands. Um, so here I am inflicting physical pain on her in order to try to get this baby. Um, and there was a lot of times that first thing in the morning, I would just dive into the word. Um, there was usually a cup of coffee on the bar and my Bible. And I, I dove into a study on Job one time. Um, I th- and, and that helped me a lot internally. Um, but, you know, it kind of got to a point where people just didn't know what to say, except that they were here and they loved us. Um, there was a lot of a lot of conversations on the phone with my family, um, and who was three hours away. That you know, not a lot was said, and that was okay. Uh, they were there, you know, um, and uh, I found a lot of, of peace. And throughout this whole process, I it, I was peace. I had a, I was at peace the whole time, um, but a lot of times I would I would go out and just go for runs, just to clear my head, um, and and. Probably the first part of the, our, my running route, uh, I would usually just say a prayer. Sometimes it was thankful prayer. <laughs> sometimes it was asking questions. Um, sometimes I was mad, but I would, I would do that. And then um, just the rest of the time, I, I would just listen, listen. Um, so that, that helped me a lot um, because, you know, I was trying to be Mr. Macho Man and, and be there for her. Um, but internally, you know, there were times that, that it hit me hard. He also used social media to get him through. I mean, he may not admit that, but he said that there was going to be a purpose to our pain and that if only one person would read our post, then we need to share it. Because, I mean, I was a pretty private person, and to share something so vulnerable about us, um, I mean, I was letting someone into the most vulnerable parts of us. Mm-hmm. And he, he encouraged me to share our story and to, to write. He was actually the one that shared our second loss, you know, publicly. And he used that a lot as his outlet to help not internalize it, but to get it out. Yeah. There we go back to the wanting to help. Yeah. You know, so See, you're yeah. our two. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. Um, um, so, you know, through this process, um, I mean, I remember being there, one of your surgeries, you know, you gave us a call and we came over um, quickly. It was the evening, right? Wasn't it an evening? Yes. It was the evening. Um, you, I think you had just found out and they told you to go to the hospital here to have the surgery. And I remember being in there and just looking at you and there were tears in your eyes. Um, And you just looking up and saying, I thought this was it. 
I thought this was it. Um, was there a verse, a song or something that helped you get through that? At that point, no. Um, the, the verses started coming about a week later. Um, now, on the way home, I'll let Ben share this, this part. Um, on the way home, so we, the process had started where we knew something was wrong while we were visiting his family. We went down for our youngest niece's gender reveal, and that Monday morning I woke up and knew something was wrong. Um, this is Memorial Day, doctors were closed, and we played Prophesy Your Promise on repeat for three and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the first song that was kind of our, our go-to, and then Tuesday is when we got the news that it was, I was going to have the surgery. The following Sunday is when you preached, and you're, I just learned that your sermon was not on the entire book of Isaiah. It's <laughs> a small little part, which is how it happens when God speaks. Sometimes it's only meant for the person it's being spoken to. Um, and that next week, verse after verse after verse was just revealed to me. And one of them I leaned into was Isaiah 60, 22. And it's, um, at the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. And then Isaiah 26, 3, um, in perfect peace. I'll give perfect peace to those who stand firm in their faith. So those were my, my two verses that I leaned into. Yeah, um, for me, it was more about strength in the scriptures. Um, because I, you can let this situation just beat you down. Um, but for me, it was, it was Psalm 16, 8, which is, I, I set the Lord before me because he is at my right hand. I will never be shaken. Um, and, and Joshua 1, 9 was another one that, that we've all probably memorized as, as kids. Um, but that was another one that just is, revolves around strength and knowing that, that God is with you. Um, a song, and I looked it up this time, um, was just, it's praising you in the storm by casting crowns, um, and it starts off, um, it says, I was sure by now, God, you would have reached down and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day. And once again, I say amen, and it's still raining. We've talked a lot about rain. But as the thunder rolls, I can barely hear you whisper through the rain. I'm with you. And as your mercy falls, I'll raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. I don't remember the first time I heard the song and just randomly one day the lyrics just popped into my head. And so there were days it would just be on repeat in the car. Um, When I did listen to music running, uh, that was one that always would get played. And it usually resulted in me sobbing like a baby as I ran. So um, if you happen to have seen me running, I wasn't dying. <laughs> I'm good. I was okay. Um, but uh, somewhere around Aragon in the Bon Loop Road area, yeah, that, I was good. I was just I was having church. Um, so uh, that was one that, that really got, got me through. Through this process, <clears throat> How important did you find friends, family, church, and community? How important was that for you to get through this? 
very first surgery, we made a couple of phone calls and my husband had a five, six people in the waiting room waiting with him, so he wasn't alone. Um, you two, a couple others from the church, my parents, I mean, it was just his parent, his family was three and a half hours away, so he was really dependent on our church family. Um, I've never had to watch him get wheeled back to an OR, and he's watched me more than once, so I can't imagine what he was feeling in that time, but just to know that he had you guys was, gave me peace. Um, our shirts, um, a friend offered to do that, and I don't know if any of you have ever <laughs> looked at IVF, but it's not cheap, and it's something that we didn't have to put ourselves into a ton of debt because our community showed up for us. I mean, we raised enough to cover our medicine from T-shirts, and the medicines were up close to $9,000, um, which is why we're wearing them today. It's just because it's a significant part of our journey. Um, there were, at any given moment, I could have 40 unread text messages, but just to know that if I crossed your mind, you sent me a text and said, hey, I'm thinking about you, and that it meant more than a lot of people realized because sometimes there were dark days and I didn't want to leave my bedroom. Um, I didn't want to get out of the bed. He, he would force me a lot, but I mean, there were times where it was, it was, it was hard. The hallway was really, really narrow. Um, family, friends, um, sometimes people we didn't even know that would just messages on social media um, I think when it, it kind of when we kind of went public with everything and started putting it out there and just became that much more vulnerable um, that's when we almost felt like we were being lifted up um, just supported by by everyone um, you know with with my family being three and a half hours away and, and they can't be here specifically that night she was talking about in that uh, pre-op room I, I wish I would have been able to snap a picture of the nurse's face when she flung the curtain back and saw seven or eight people standing around the bed because it kind of blew her mind that everyone had gotten there so fast. Um, but that's, that's, our, that's our legacy family. Um, that's, that's what we're all about. Um, but just the calls, the messages, um, we would just have random things show up at the house on the doorstep, flowers, meals, just, and it all meant so much. It, we may have been d down at that time and, and not necessarily shown our gratitude, but I'm telling you, it, it meant so much to us, and it helped us so much. Um, so, uh, I don't, it, I don't know if we could have been able to completely get through it without all of you. So we will forever be grateful for that. And God, I mean, He, He made us community. I mean. That's what community, community's there to lift you up. When when you can't stand, you've got someone on either side to hold you up. And that's, you know, we've got, we've got a great one. Um, what would you say this morning to someone that has a promise? Someone that has prayed and they feel like they've heard it, but's waiting to see it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Um, I think we'd been home 24 hours, not even, and I 
Carrie Underwood's How Great Thou Art was playing on the record player. And I looked down, it was the first time it really hit me that my promise was laid in my living room. And um, I would go through every single trial and tribulation again for her. The strength that I gained, um, the friends that I've gained, the faith that I've gained, I would go through every single bit of it for her because she was worth it. And if, if any of those other pregnancies had work out, worked out, if any of the timing had been different, I wouldn't have her. I would have a different baby. And she's perfect and exactly what he had planned for us. And he knew that. He knew she was coming. He told us she was coming. And just hold on, hold on to your promise. Don't give up. I mean, even if it feels like, oh, I can't take another step, I promise you, if you can just hold on, hold on to it, it the promise is worth it. Um, I, I think I said this in the first service, but after after the the first surgery, when we were just kind of in shock, um, I just prayed, and I, I I asked that he would just start to teach me. Um, reveal to me, show me things, and just, I'm a very, I'm the type of person where I want to learn, I want to learn things, I want to know, and if, so that was my prayer, was just to reveal things to us, um, and so, just, I would say, do that, just try to, as bad as the situation is, um, just to try to, to take some good out of it, Ask God to just reveal things to you during during that. Um, looking back on it now, just the things that we learned, um, the things that we we experienced together, um, it just it made us that much stronger. Um, and I, you know, other than having to stick her with a thousand needles, I would do it all over again too, um, just because of where we are today. Amen. To every promise. There's a wilderness. And to every wilderness, there is a promise. It's his word. And you will not see a promise fulfilled without going through a season where you're like, when, Lord? And same for you. No matter where you've been, I mean, I remember thinking, Lord, uh, you better speak to me again about this church deal. You know, whenever we were a month away, we needed $60,000. And I was like, Lord, you better speak to me again. I mean, I was waiting for a dead uncle to die. I didn't have a dead, I didn't have, I was waiting for a rich uncle to die. I didn't have a rich uncle. I was like, Where, where's it coming from? But in that season, we sowed a seed in the middle of wilderness. And within a month, the promise was fulfilled. Sowing in the middle of wilderness. It takes strength. It takes faith when you can't see it, but you know. And there's a lot of you here. You are, you've been in a, you, you've, you've, you know the promise. You've heard it, but you are in a wilderness season. You're like, Lord, where are you? Lord, are you, can you even hear me? You may be in it where you're even doubting it yourself, but I want to tell you. The waiting season should be the busiest season of your life. Before we even had a church, we were serving in our city. Uh, I, I'll, 
second that. Um, infertility really pushed me out of my comfort zone. I mean, I'm on stage. <laughs> um, but last fall, in the busiest, I'm a, I'm a photographer, and if you're a photographer, you know, October is photographers, what April is to accountants. Um, and in September, we were also transferring Isaiah. And I signed up, I called Sarah one day. She probably looked at her phone and looked at her phone again to make sure it was really me. And I said, I want to lead a small group in the midst of my busy season, in the midst of when I was six to transfer. And stepping out of that comfort zone and sewing into God's kingdom, I still stand by that that is why that little girl made it. Mm -hmm. That's why that, that was our time was because I said yes to God and no to other things so that I could be there for him. And then she made it. She, yeah. she made it. Come on, can we stand up this morning? If you're thankful for Benny Cassie today, come on, we just put our hands together and thank him.